averaging the fewest air yards per attempt. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yards per attempt. going on everybody welcome into another fresh edition yards per attempt i am eddie borsilli we are here to talk raider football mid free agency there is a ton going on there's a ton going on with this football team there's a ton going on with the national football league we are about 45 days from the nfl draft in cleveland we got permission to go so i'll be there in person i'm pumped about that hopefully everybody's staying safe hopefully everybody's getting out of the house, doing what they got to do, and enjoying what's going on. And like I said, there is some craziness happening with this football team over the past couple weeks. I'd be lying to you if I said that if I was sitting here on the 24th day of March 2021, Rodney Hudson would no longer be a Raider. And Marcus Mariota would be back with a restructured contract and a no-trade clause. I don't know which one strikes me more as impossible or improbable than those two things. Let's start with the offensive line. There is a major shakeup with the offensive line for this football team. I don't think anybody saw it coming. I think people saw writing on the wall when it came to Trent Brown, maybe Gabe Jackson. But no one. And you'd be lying to yourself, you'd be lying to your mama if you said that you knew that Rodney Hudson was not going to be on this football team. That came out of left field. The feeling that I got when Rodney Hudson was set to be released and Ian Rappaport put the report out there that Rodney Hudson was no longer going to be a part of the Vegas Raiders, it was a punch to the stomach. It almost felt like the day Khalil Mack got traded. I know they're not similar but these guys were foundation pieces for the Raiders. Rodney was such a great center. To me, a borderline Hall of Fame type player. For this football team, you could make the argument the best player on this football team since he's gotten here from Kansas City. So that day was like a gut punch, man. It just was like, it sucked the wind right out of you. It's like, why in the world would this football team want to get rid of Rodney Hudson? Then the report comes out that he wants out. And my thing to that is, that's all well and good, but just because a player wants out doesn't mean you have to grant it. So long story short, they're able to flip him to Arizona for a third-round pick. Okay. At least you get a pick out of it. At least it's not a dead, dead release. It comes to my next point. This has been the Raider, I don't know, behind-the-scenes thing that everybody's concerned themselves with over the past decade. The Raiders are cash-poor. They got rid of Rodney, Hud- Rodney Hudson because they didn't want to pay him because they wanted the cash in their pocket. And maybe that there's something to that. But I just I get sick and tired of, of hearing the notion that Mark Davis is dead broke and doesn't have any money. A, he shares revenue with the other owners in the National Football League who make a shit ton of money. Not to say that he's the same as Jerry Jones and he has the same amount of deep pockets because he doesn't. We're not stupid. We all see it. But Al Davis was never rich in the sense of cash. He wasn't like a, a like a Bud Adams or guys like that that you know had oil companies and they had money hand over fist. But he made it work. 
You never heard about it back in the day of Al going out and get a player. If Al wanted a player, Al got a player. So it shouldn't be the case now. They're not letting rid of Rodney because they, they want the cash in their, in their hands. They're not, letting, they're not letting go of one of the best players in Raider history because they want that extra $7 bucks to spend somewhere else. It's just not the case. Maybe there's a little bit to it. Maybe Mark wants a little bit of cash in his pocket. I know it hurt him big time to not have fans in the stands. I get it. It was a shitty year for everybody. But he's an, an owner of an NFL football team. He has money to make moves. It's you've seen it by the guys they've signed and the guaranteed money they doled out last year and the guaranteed money they doled out this year. So I don't want to hear the narrative anymore that the Raiders don't have any cash. Maybe they're not the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe they're not one of those football teams, but this team has money to spend. And then next year, hopefully when it's a full house in Vegas, and if you hear me now, Mark Davis, if other owners in the National Football League have their stadiums open 100%, you need to have your stadium open 100%. Do the safety precautions, do everything you have to do. That stadium needs to be full. And yes, I do want to go to a game. But let's go back to the old line for a minute. So Rodney's out the door. Okay. Trent. We all, we talked about Trent on this podcast a million times. And the audacity of this dude to come out today and basically say that he was unhappy being a Raider. Boo freaking who. You, all you did was sit there and collect a, a, a check from this football team. Now you're going to come out there and say you weren't happy? Dude, take a hike. He didn't put the work in. He was hurt all the time. He didn't live up to the contract. Bottom line. You go back to New England. So they ship him out. We all saw that coming. We all wanted him off this football team. We knew he wasn't part of the future. We knew John Gruden was kind of getting pissed off with the way he went about his business. Fine. Trent's gone. I talked about it a couple weeks ago about Gabe Jackson being a possibility to go as well. And he was the kind of the first domino to fall. All right, Gabe Jackson's going to be released from the Raiders. I kind of saw it coming. Gabe's been a really good player for this football team, approaching the age of 30. But that's why it made Rodney's move so out of the blue. It's like, okay, we're losing Gabe, we're losing Trent, but Rodney's still there, Colton's still there, and then we'll, we'll mix and match what we got. But then when you compound Trent being gone and now Gabe being gone and then Rodney being gone, it's like, wow, this team is really getting away from what they're doing on offense and what their philosophy really is, has been in team building over the past 10 years. So Gabe, again, just like Rodney, gets flipped for a draft pick. And that's all well and good. I, I wish Gabe the best in Seattle. They got what they could from. Fine. So what does it all mean for this football team? To me, it's kind of a red flag. Because in my mind, you knew coming into this offseason you needed to fix the defense. And we'll get to the defense and some of the free agents coming up in a little bit. But you didn't think that fixing the offense or fixing the offensive line was going to be something that needed to be addressed. Yeah, you thought maybe Nelson Aguilar might jump and go somewhere else. Fine. Maybe you thought Trent Brown was going to get traded or cut because he made too much money. Fine. But it's almost a complete overhaul of this offensive line. But then they go and, you know, they cut Richie, bring him back at a cheaper price. I love Richie Incognito, just like the rest of Raider Nation. I hope he plays 16 games this year. He is a badass, and he's born to be a Raider. But he's coming off an Achilles injury, and you got to be wary. He's 38 years old. So you got to be worried a little bit about how Incognito comes back from the injury and how well he plays. He's on the field. He's a beast. But he, he's missed some time, and coming back from that injury, you just hope it plays out. So left to right, Colton Miller has been a, a you know, stable a stable force at left tackle i expect him to get actually they're probably in talks right now for a contract extension for colton miller because the fifth year option is coming up on him so be it colton's your left tackle richie's your left guard he stays healthy 
Now, center is, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, conundrum. Some, some, some word of, of that fashion. I know, and everybody's been pushing this Andre James hype. All well and good. The, the coaching staff may be really, really high on Andre James. We don't know what Andre James is. We haven't seen as much as the coaches have seen during practice. We don't know what type of player he is. He could step in there on day one and be a, a, a pro bowler, and you know we hit the jackpot again just like we did with Darren Waller, and everybody continues on their business. He could struggle and be replaced by Nick Martin, one of the free agent signings, and move over to guard. You just don't know. It's, it's a big position to have a big question mark and unknown about. That's, that's kind of my feelings on it. If it was a guard spot, if it was a left guard or right guy, you, you're just plugging him in, fine. But he's got to call out the defense. He's got to develop a, develop a relationship with the guys playing next to him. He's got to develop a relationship with Derek Carr. So this is kind of asking a lot of a guy, a 23-year-old Andre James, who they gave a, a three-year extension to. So the center position is going to be one to, to kind of watch in training camp. I like the Nick Martin signing for the flexibility and for the depth because, again, he could step in if James struggles or he can go over to guard and do that kind of stuff. The right the right guard spot, you're going to have Denzel Good and you're going to have John Simpson going for that most likely. And then the right tackle spot, this is why free agency is kind of – I wish it would pick up the pace a little bit because you still have talented guys out there. My dream guy is Mitchell Schwartz. Now, I don't know if – Jeff Schwartz, his brother, a Sirius XM employee and a friend of mine, would let that happen because of the back and forth he has with Raider fans on Twitter. But coming off an injury, Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz, one of those guys would be great. They might get priced out a little bit. They might, you know, see that they're healthy and a team might go and, and pluck them off the free agent market. But I don't – with how it played out in free agency, I really don't think this team could afford to take a right tackle – at 17 in the draft. I just don't think it's a smart move. I think there's tackles to be had in the, in the second to third round, and now you picked up an extra third round pick. Maybe you move around a little bit and pick up some extra picks. I just don't think they're in a position to draft guy at 17. Maybe in the second or third round, totally fine. So I think there will be another addition veteran-wise at the right tackle spot, but it kind of goes back to losing Rodney, losing Gabe, losing Trent, it's going to take time to mesh in training camp with these guys. These the, the, the offensive line we had, we never worried about it because they played together for so long. Guys came and went with injuries, but there was always so many stabilizing forces. You didn't worry about the guys meshing and playing together. I worry about that now. I worry about them being able to, to gel as a unit in training camp. And God forbid there's an injury that goes to the depth question. It's not as strong depth-wise now than it was in the past. And it goes to my third point, and how we branch off of the shakeup this offensive line, and it's the play of the quarterback and Derek Carr. We've seen Derek get better with his feet, better in the pocket, being able to extend plays and all that kind of stuff. But let's not trick-or-code it here, folks. He's going to have a worse offensive line heading into this year than he did in his previous years. So it, it, John's going to have to get creative. Derek's going to have to get creative. You know, we, we can't have a we, – we all see, and you all know, listen to this podcast, how big a fan of Derek Carr I am. But with a shaky offensive line, we can't have Derek Carr of two and three years ago, you know, kind of crumbling in the pocket a little bit. We just can't have it or the season's going to be lost. So the offensive line, the offensive line shakeup, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I understand what Gruden's trying to say here. Hey, we put a 
a ton of money into the offensive line over the years. We still haven't won. Let's allocate that money different places and see if we win. Fine. But it's going to be a huge storyline come training camp, no doubt, the offensive line shakeup. So let's get over to the free agents a little bit. Obviously, the Raiders had money to spend. They moved some guys around. They did a million different things to kind of clear cap space. And what did they do? They got, and and, and this really pisses me off. I'm not going to be honest. I'm not going to say it any different way here. They went out and signed one of the top edge rushers on the free agent market. And yet people are still killing them as if they didn't do anything. And it, it, as you as fans listening to this podcast all know the perception of the Raiders and when they do things, if other teams do things, it's the smartest thing in the world. When the Raiders do it, it's just dumb. It's stupid. They're wasting the money. The player's not who they thought it'd be, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that people that say that aren't right because we've seen the massive free agent bus, even as, as, you know, as last year, guys like Trent Brown, fine. I think they hit a home run with Unique and Gakwe. I really do. I think this is a player that, yeah, sure, he's had trouble over the past couple of years, maybe dealing with coaching staffs. He had problems with dealing with some of the coaches and mainly the front office with Jacksonville. It really boiled down to the contract with him in Jacksonville and why he wanted out there. But he's never had less than eight sacks in a season in his entire career. He has the second most pressures since his time in the league than Aaron Donald. This is a proven pass rusher that is going to turn 26 years old. He's going to be 26 years old when the season starts. And you got him on a two-year, $26 million deal. To me, that is a home run. I don't want to hear that he's a situational pass rusher. They pulled up a clip of Mike Mayock at the draft. Oh, Unique's going to be a situational pass rusher. He's not. He is a three-down player that you could build a defense on. He's good against the run. He obviously can get to the quarterback. This is a guy that you want. This is a home run signing to me in free agency. I don't understand the, 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 the consensus out there that people say that he wasn't. He's a top edge guy. Just because they got him at a, a discounted rate, it's fine. I'd rather have Unique Ngakwe two years 26 than Bud Dupree at four years 55 or whatever the hell he got. And that's not a knock on Bud Dupree. I just think Unique fits what Gus Bradley wants to do. Gus Bradley drafted him in Jacksonville. There's, there's a feeling that he called him almost a father figure. So you have that going for him. I just think it's a home run signing for this football team. I was all aboard the unique. They're, they tried to trade for him a couple years ago. This is a guy that is going to look great in silver and black. I am all about unique Ngakwe. So what else did they do? <clears throat> they just basically are loading up dudes on a defensive line. Loading up guys to try to get after the quarterback. Because, folks, we all see this. We all watch the games. We could all see how terrible they are at getting to the quarterback. So what do they do? They bring in Unique. Great. They bring in Quentin Jefferson from the Bills. He's not a superstar, but he's a guy that, that, that can get you some sacks. He's a solid player. He played with Unique at Maryland. There's familiarity there. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I like the Quentin Jefferson signing. The one that's kind of appealing to me, and it's always going to be appealing to fans and probably coaches alike, is Solomon Thomas. I don't care what you say about his career up to the date, injuries, lack of motor, maybe he doesn't love football, all the things that people say about guys when they get drafted. There was a reason that Solomon Thomas was the number three pick in the draft. There was some reason why this dude was the number three pick in the draft by San Francisco 49ers. And you're, you're rolling the dice 
just like Darius Finline, too. Another guy you bring over who had eight and a half sacks a couple years ago before he got some legal trouble. But you're rolling the dice that this guy could click. It's the old, you know, John Gruden being being the Al Davis. This guy was a first round pick for a reason. We're gonna we're gonna turn him into a player. We're gonna get the most out of him. And that could be totally wrong. Solomon can come in here and get hurt, or he could just be just just a guy or just not make it. I think what is so exciting about what they did on the defensive line is there's no excuses for guys. If you're not playing well, if you're not getting to the quarterback, there's going to be another guy there to take your spot. I, I, you know, I think you could say that Unique's going to have a spot. Max Crosby's going to have a spot. Clee's going to have a spot. Other than that, it's up to these dudes to make plays. Whoever can consistently get after the quarterback is going to get there. I'm intrigued by Solomon Thomas. I really am. I'm intrigued by Felon, too. Obviously, he's got legal stuff going on. If that gets, that gets cleared, more power to it. I'm all about it. I wasn't huge. How do I say this in a nice way? I'm not, if you listen to this podcast, I'm not a big fan of Jonathan Hankins. And I'm not saying that in a mean-spirited way. I just, he, he was the Raiders' best run defender early on last year. He kind of fell off the page. But again, the rest of the Raider defense fell off the page, so I'm not going to knock him too much. He's a good guy to have in there. But it's the same story. If he doesn't perform, he's going to be out the door too. So you got, I think you got, a lot of hungry guys on this D-line. You got Unique, hungry. People saying that he's not one of the premier guys in the league. Solomon Thomas, first-round bust. David Irving, out of the league. I think he got a lot of dogs on this defensive line, and they need it. They need it. They're going to get consistent rush. Gus Bradley's defense doesn't blitz. You're not going to see a ton of blitzes from the Gus Bradley defense. We need to get pressure from the front four. I think they addressed it. I think they went maybe a little bit overboard with the defensive linemen, but it's, it's all well and good. The, the, the cream's going to rise to the top, and I'm excited about the D-line. I really am because it's going to make the rest of the defense better. It really, really is. So I'm pumped about the D-line signing. I'm, not, I'm pumped about John Brown. I like John Brown a lot. You know, I, I sent out the tweet a couple weeks ago. I was not high on Nelson Aguilar last year when I signed him. Uh, I'm much higher on John Brown now than I was on Nelson Aguilar. I think John Brown could do two things for you. Granted, he stays healthy because that's always a concern. John Brown is going to be, he's going to step right into that Aguilar role. I think he could stretch the field. I think he's got, obviously he's got the speed. They don't call him smoke for no reason. And I think he's going to help Henry Ruggs with the route running. I think he's going to be a good mentor for Henry Ruggs. Show him how to be a pro. Show him how to run the right routes, the right depths, and all that kind of things. I think that's the type of player John Brown could be for the football team. I'm excited about him. I really am. And then you get to Kenyon Drake, who, let's not BS here, folks. I said it on a couple of podcasts uh, earlier this week. Kenyon Drake was John Gruden's, you know, new car. John Gruden wanted a toy to play with. And he obviously loved Kenyon Drake and what Kenyon Drake could do. Everybody freaked out about that. This is the funniest thing about being fans. We're all fans. I'm, I'm not spe- choosing anybody out here. But this is the funniest thing. People get so freaked out about what kind of contract a guy gets. If you didn't know what kind of money Kenyon Drake got, you wouldn't give a crap about what, 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 why he was on the Raiders. You'd be like, ah, oh, it's a great signing. It's a good, it's a good one-two punch. They find out what he makes, and he's going to be guaranteed $8 million next year. People just lose their mind. Look what John Gruden's playing, Kenyon Drake, blah, 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 blah. 
They're the same people that when Kenyon Drake break, takes a screen pass and takes the 65 yards next year for a touchdown, they're like, what a great sign. Oh, my God, what a great signing. It's ridiculous. Player contracts shouldn't even be made public because it just it puts added pressure and it makes unlawful analysis by all the uh, people out there. All well and good. I like the Kenyon Drake signing. I think we all love Josh Jacobs, but he gets banged up quite a bit. He hasn't played in the full 16 in his NFL career. I think it's a nice – Kenyon Drake was on SiriusXM NFL Radio today. I think it's a nice little thunder and lightning combo for this football team. Going to spread him out as a wide receiver. Going to give him, give him matchup nightmares against linebackers and stuff like that. I'm with the Kenyon Drake signing. It's not a, him as – you're not signing him as a backup running back. You don't have backup running backs in the NFL. He's your 1B one, one running back right behind Josh Jacobs. Now, I'll say it, and again, it's, it's March 24th here. I'm going to say the same thing I do in the season. I don't want to see Josh Jacobs off the field that much. I want Josh Jacobs on the field. He's the bell cow running back. So if you want Ken, Josh Jacobs on the field, let's get Kenyon Drake out in the slot. Let's get him to do some, some, some different type of things. A couple of things that, you know, I, I don't know what to say. So one of the big kind of topics I want to hit on today was in free agency is, the Raiders were always criticized for not keeping their own, not developing and keeping their own. But what they do? They did it. They did it. They've, they're keeping their own. They're going to try to re-sign Colt Miller to a big-time extension. You bring back Nicholas Morrow. And I've been critical of Nicholas Morrow in the past on this podcast. He's not your, your, your atypical linebacker. He hasn't been the difference maker. But I think he's a guy that's grown into a really – he's got an amazing story. He's a great dude. I think he's kind of grown into – a, a really quality NFL linebacker, to be honest. So I'm happy for Nicholas Morrow. I'm happy you kind of keep that consistency a little bit and develop the players you want to develop and bring them back. And you see it kind of all over the place with this football team now. I, I think it's, it's, it's a good sign for where this team is headed in player development. Nevin Lawson, on the other hand, I mean, I could really do with that. I really don't understand bringing that guy back. There's a lot of other free, free Asian cornerbacks out there. You could have went in 50 different directions. I really don't get that one. I'm not going to harp on it, to be honest. But let's hope and pray that as we sit here today, the Raiders address the cornerback market. Got guys like Richard Sherman and Casey Hayward out there. And please, for the love of God, free safety. I'm not going to harp on the Anthony Harris thing. Anthony Harris was the, the one of the number one guys I wanted. He only signed a one-year deal with the Eagles for $5 bucks. To me, that says that not too many teams were after him because if they were, he would have got a lot more money. So there's obviously something going on with this dude that we don't know, and maybe he balls with the Eagles, maybe he doesn't, but this team needs to address the free, free safety spot. We'll talk about that in a little bit when you talk about the draft. Let's talk about Marcus Mariota, the other wackiness of this offseason. We talked about it a million times, too. Marcus Mariota played well in his one start this year. Well, not start, but when he came in for Derek Carr. I am shocked that a team like Washington or the Patriots are not taking a shot on a guy like Marcus Mariota. Yet, yet, he does now have these no, no trade clause. I mean, it's unbelievable. Marcus Mariota and Deshaun Watson out there rolling around with no trade clauses. But I'm shocked that in the quarterback market that the Bears went with Andy Dalton as their QB1 without, maybe they sniffed around Mariota, maybe the contract scared people off, I get it. But I'm shocked that a team didn't take a chance on Marcus, and maybe they will. His cap number's lowered, he's saying all the right things, he wants to be back with the Raiders, but I, I really think 
we it would be interesting to find out what teams are on this. You know, no, he's at the no trade, but there's obviously teams he has to agree to. But Raiders are in a position of leverage. I've been saying this the whole time. If they go to training camp now or around the draft and the team loses out on a guy that they really want, hey, guess what? We still have Marcus. You want him? Okay, great. Let's talk. I'm not saying they should just trade him for a, for a six-round pick and get rid of him. I'm not. I want them to trade him for real value. And you know when you get real value? When teams are desperate. When teams are desperate around the trade deadline, when teams are desperate in training camp, when their starter goes down, and when teams are in the draft, they don't, they don't get the guy they want. So I think the Mariota thing, and I tweeted this out a couple of days ago, I think it's something to kind of keep on watching. He might just be the backup for the year and, and go off the free agency next year and more power to him and maybe get a starting job. But I just think, in my heart of hearts, Mariota most likely will not be on this roster when the season starts. So we got the draft coming up, like I said before, Cleveland, Ohio. It's going to be nice to go out there. I'll say it. I've said it a couple times already, and I'm going to say it again because this is my podcast and I could do whatever the hell I want. I don't believe that the Raiders are going to make their selection at pick 17. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that I feel that they're going to either trade up with the additional picks they got now for Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson for the player they want, or trade that pick away for a proven defensive player. Now, it's really hard for me to sit here and speculate who that proven defensive player is. I don't know who it is. Is it Daniil Hunter? Are you going to pair Daniil Hunter with Unique Ngakwe? That would cause a, a quite a bit of uh, logjam the, on the defensive line. Is there a free safety out there that you could have? Um, this is pure speculation on my part. Saints franchise tag Marcus Williams. If the Saints feel like they can't come to a long-term deal with Marcus Williams, are you willing, and I don't believe they put the exclusive tag on him, are you willing to trade that first-round pick for Marcus Williams? I might be. I feel like John Gruden's past the point of developing younger players and, and kind of, you know, let's, not, let's, let's call a spade a spade, striking out on guys. And I'm not saying that he struck out on a million guys, but, you know, we have guys on this football team that haven't panned out yet. So if there's a trade to be made for a proven player, and I've said it a hundred times on this freaking podcast, what the Colts did for, with, with the Forrest Buckner, that changed that defense. I don't know what player's out there. I don't know if there's a DeForest Buckner out there, to be honest, to be had. But you look at the teams that have guys that are coming up on contracts that they feel they can't pay, that they, they made me feel that it's not in their future plans, and you go get that guy. Take that 17 pick, and you go get that guy. Trade that first-round pick. So I'm going to stamp the table. I'm going to hit the table. It's late in my house, so I don't want to go too crazy here. But I'm going to say it again. I don't think they're going to make that selection at pick 17. Trade up for a guy. You see a guy in the draft that you really love, a safety, a linebacker, an edge guy. Better not be an offensive lineman. I'll say it again like I said before. But you see a guy. I just don't see them sitting there at 17 and taking a right tackle. I just can't see it. Or sitting there at, at, at 17 and taking another quarterback. It's gonna, I'm going to make the shirt. I swear to God this year, I'm really going to make the shirt. Anybody out there has any ideas, tweet at me, at Poor Silly. No cornerbacks in the first round. I've been saying it for years. I'm tired of taking these cornerbacks in the first round. I don't want any part of it. Maybe Caleb Farley's awesome. Patrick Sertain, the second, is probably awesome. Asante Samuel Jr., yeah, we're that old. He's probably really good. No cornerbacks in the first round. If you see a target out there, be aggressive. Be aggressive. 
want to get that difference maker, that, that war daddy, you sign one with Unique. Get another one on another level of this defense. Get another player. All right, guys. I know it's been a long time. There's a lot to unpack here. It's been a wild offseason. You know, you could say what you will about this football team, but there is never a dry day with this football team. There's always stuff going on, for better or for worse, and we love it. Everybody be safe out there. We'll talk again soon. Have a good night.